Morning church, would you please rise for our first song? Tell me. 
seated. Good morning to all of you. Good to have you here today. Once again, I have Reuben up here. I'm just telling you that every week he gets emboldened, and it uh, happened at the first service, and who knows what it's going to be like today, right? Um, you know, I thought you were going to back up again. All right. Do you remember what the theme is for today? Yeah. Maybe I should ask more specific. Would you please tell everybody here, what is our theme for our series? Living generously. All right. So living generously, and we've been kind of going through it, and I'll give you an update at the sermon time. Uh, but we have a really good opportunity coming up to live generously. What is that opportunity? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And I'm going to give the detail of it. So example... On Thursday, we open our doors and we will feed somewhere around 700 people. What a glorious opportunity to serve our community. But for you, you have an opportunity. If you'd like to be a part of that serving and living generously, you can volunteer for Thanksgiving Day. So feel free to do that if you can. Just go to Planning Center or give the church office a call. We'll make sure we get you connected uh, with that. We also are going to be meeting Wednesday at 6.30 here. We'll start out in the family gathering area. And uh, we're going to have pizza, and then we're going to get ready for Thanksgiving. So if you have Wednesday night free and would like to be a part of it, please come. Um, our exploration group, which is our normal Wednesday group, everyone's been invited to be a part of this. But we want to open up to the whole church. But if you could let us know that you're coming, that would be great. So we can make sure we have enough pizza for you. Anything else you want to say? No. All right. Now, this is what you are supposed to be thinking about. I have a very big decision that I need to make. And I'm going to share with you some ideas I have in order to make a decision. And I'm going to get your opinion on it. Would you be willing to come back up later and help me? Maybe. <laughs> it's happening. Why don't you go? You go. You could go. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> Encourage him a little bit, but not a lot, because just wait till you see sermon time. It's good. All right. Let me go through some uh, highlights and announcements of going on. Um, so, yes, this Wednesday, opportunity for you to come help set up for Thanksgiving. Great. Next Wednesday, would you please consider coming back for our Advent intergenerational event? 
And it's going to start with 6 o'clock food, and then from 6.30 to about 7.20, we're going to worship together, and we're going to look at Bible verses, and we're going to have activities for people of all ages as we're in here. So that's next Wednesday. Not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. So love for you to come and be a part of that, all right? Um, young disciples, just so you know, a lot of things they're doing to serve our community. Take a look at it, whether at Planning Center or our website or up on the screens. Uh, they're doing a lot of things for a lot of people. If you uh, purchase t-shirts, they're in. So if you want to get them today, they're in the family gathering area. Uh, the commitment card, if I can have that up on the screen, please. For a couple months, we've been sharing this profession of faith. Really, it's what we believe about our sinfulness, yes, uh, but also about who is Jesus as our Savior, what is communion. But then also on the very bottom, it has all of these things, these things that we believe God is calling all of us to be a part of. And you could look at the list, right? You could look at regular group worship, study of God's word, cheerful giving, thankful living, and sharing the gospel with others. And next week, you're going, when you come in, you're going to get a card that has this on there, and we're going to ask you to prayerfully consider committing to these principles in life, that this would be the rhythm that you're going to live all for the glory of God. So that's going to be done next week, and you'll take those cards, and you'll check those, put them in an envelope, you will seal the envelope, you will put your name and address on the envelope, and then six months later, we're, we're going to send it back to you as a reminder. And maybe words of encouragement just to keep on keeping on. So that's going to happen next week. So be thinking and praying about it in advance. Um, this is, again, what God calls us as his children. Um, if you're a guest here, thank, we're so thankful that you're here. And we invite you to come back. Whether you're in the house or online, uh, we are so blessed to have you here. Um, if you have questions about what is ministry all about or how, what, what happens in our service, uh, example, we have some cards in front of you in the chair backs. It'll tell you about communion. What do we believe and how do you take communion? If you have a prayer request, it will tell you how to submit a prayer request for this service if you would like that in there. Um, some other little details in there. But again, we want to make your time with us just meaningful and um, a blessing. And uh, last thing is we're going to be passing what's called joy baskets. And the whole idea behind it is this. Every single person here is blessed by God. The God of the universe has given you blessings, all kinds of blessings, and he likes it when people like you and me say thank you in return. And that's done so many different ways. Yes, it's done when you give your offerings or tithes. It's done as you serve others, as you pray, as you sing. We can do that in so many different ways. So I'm going to take time now and pray, pray for our worship, and pray for our lives to be a reflection how thankful we are. We pray. Lord Jesus, once again we say thank you for all that you've done for us. The greatest gift of all is your life, death, and resurrection. And the fact that we have forgiveness and life with you forever. But we also know that all our lives have been filled with one blessing on top of another because of how gracious you are. And we pray now that your spirit would lead and guide us in our time of worship here and also in our lives beyond the walls of this church. May we reflect how thankful we are to who you are and how you love. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.
Boys and girls, come on up front. It is time for the kids' message. Come on up, find a seat on the floor. Yeah. Well, I hope you found a dumb dumb sucker on your way in. If you already got yours, all right. And if you didn't get one of these, make sure you grab one on your way out. All right, there's more. Uh, you have one? Root beer, yeah, I like root beer. Has you got root beer too? These little suckers are so good, aren't they? Yeah. Well, you know what? When a few years ago, my family got to take a tour of the Dum Dum factory. We got to see where they were made. And at the end of the tour, the really cool, cool part was it stopped right at their store. So we got to go buy candy and see all the different kinds of candy that they make there and buy some and take it home with us. Do you think we still have any of that candy? No, no, you're right. It's long gone. It lasted a few days, maybe, but not a few years. We ate it pretty quick. How long do you think your dum dum sucker will last? Minutes, five minutes. Ten. Did anybody already eat theirs? You already ate yours? So there's some that are already gone. Yeah. Well, you know what? When I was a kid, there was a commercial that answered how many licks it takes to eat a sucker. I thought it'd be fun. Let's watch this commercial, all right, and see how many licks it takes to eat a sucker. So look at the screen, and we will watch. Mr. Cow. Yes? How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? I don't know. I always end up biting. Ask Mr. Fox, for he's much cleverer than I. Mr. Fox. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? Why don't you ask Mr. Turtle, for he's been around a lot longer than I. Me? <laughs> I bite. Mr. Turtle, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? I never made it without biting. Ask Mr. Owl, for he is the wisest of us all. Mr. Owl. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? A good question. Let's find out. One, two, three, three. If there's anything I can't stand, it's a smart owl. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. Wow. You see what happened? The boy asked different animals they didn't know, so he went to the owl, because the owl is really wise and smart, right? So he found out from the owl, it only took three licks. That did not take very long, did it? No. He bit it. Yeah, he bit it, didn't he? He ate it, so it did not last very long at all for him. But you know what? God tells us in his word that the things of this world just don't last very long. It could be candy or food of any kind. We eat it. And then it's gone, and we get hungry again, and we need more. Or our clothes, sometimes we outgrow our clothes, or they wear out, and we get holes in them, right? Or our toys, our toys will break sometimes, and then we want new ones. Well, you know what? There's a book in the Bible that we can go to for wisdom. We don't have to go ask an owl, right? Because we can go to God's Word. And he tells us in the book of Proverbs, God says, here in Proverbs 18, it says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. That seems kind of confusing. But you know, actually, basically what it's saying is, 
that we can hope in God because he lasts forever. We can trust in him. And if we trust in things of this world and put our hope in them instead of God, well, it's kind of dumb-dumb. It's like, like the sucker. It just doesn't last very long, right? But we have a God who's big and mighty and powerful, a God who loves us so much, and his love and his faithfulness last forever so we can trust in him. So take your, can I have that back, please? Take your, your sucker with you. Enjoy your sucker. And as you eat it, remember that God gives us good things, but he is so much greater. He lasts forever, and we can put our hope in him. All right? Will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands. Bow our heads and you can repeat after me. Father God, we enjoy candy and all the blessings of this world. But thank you for the greatest gift of your love and eternal life. We hope and trust in you. Amen. All right, boys and girls, you can head on back to your seats. But thanks for coming up. And make sure you get a dum-dum sucker if you didn't get one on your way in, all right?
We continue now in worship with Holy Communion, a beautiful gift that God has given to his people. And one of the things we do beforehand is to examine ourselves and to get honest about uh, what we believe about our sin, about our need for a savior, about what is in this meal, and also how we're going to live his, our lives to his glory. So let's take time right now to profess what we believe. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament and under the form of the bread and wine. I receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sin and the strengthening of my faith and life. I resolve to dedicate my life to the service of my Lord in his body, the church, by regular group worship, study of God's word, cheerful giving, thankful living, and sharing the gospel with others. Amen. Again, it's a joy to profess that together. Uh, I do want to bring you back to the, what I call the most important thing. I want you to know that because of Jesus and only because of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. And he loves you with an everlasting love, one that moved him to, yes, suffer and die on a cross, but to rise again and to give us a meal like the Lord's Supper. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. And as we continue now with the distribution of communion, if you have those individual communion sets, receive those elements believing, yes, it's bread and wine, but also the body and blood of Jesus for your forgiveness. And if you desire to come forward for continuous communion with that same faith, uh, if you desire to either have gluten-free or grape juice, please let the server know. May this moment be to you as it is intended. It is a sacred moment where God comes to us and loves us right where we're at. Amen. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. 
dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Cause your name is power Your name is healing Your name is life Yes it is Break every stronghold Shine through the shadow
Now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and empower you for life, for ministry, for mission, all for the glory of God. Go in his name and in his love. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we bring our prayers spoken and in our hearts to you this morning from our 1C family. A prayer for Julie. She and her family are struggling that you are with them as they accept the loss of a granddaughter and the second battle with cancer. Give her strength. For Brett, who is suffering from a dangerous infection on his brain, prayers for good test results from his spinal tap. For a special friend, Sharon, also for her daughter, Sherry, taking care of her. God bless them. Continued strength for Coco as she continues her battle with cancer. Be with her through treatments as well as her family and friends. Comfort and peace for the Brackenhoff family as they mourn their loss of their great-grandmother. Thank you, Lord, for the 100 wonderful years she got to spend with her family and friends. Give wisdom to Molly and Nate as they are deciding on a move for their family. Prayers for my son, Dylan, and to all the other military men and women who will not be with family this Thanksgiving. Heavenly Father, I pray for Alberta and her family for comfort and strength from losing her mother and one of her best friends. Gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for providing for us. You give us hope, shelter, joy, wisdom, grace, mercy, and love. But we especially thank you for the gift of eternal life given through your son, Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, as Reuben reminded us, the series that we have is entitled Living Generously. And uh, do a little flyover where we've been. Week number one, uh, which was two weeks ago, we talked about the first and the best. God demonstrated that attitude when he gave his one and only son to suffer and die for people like you and me. And then in his word, he says it so clearly. He wants people like you and me who've been blessed by him to also give our first and best, whatever that is. And um, like given a broken, like a broken toy wouldn't be a thing that you should do. Um, you should give, again, out of your heart, your first and best. Uh, last week, we got together and we talked about, remember? Spoons and ladles. Spoons and ladles. And the idea behind it is really simple. And Reuben helped me understand this last week. Spoons are to feed ourselves. Ladles are to be used to serve other people. And that is the attitude of a Christ follower. We have been fed by God. We've been cared for and nurtured. And then we take what he's given us and we get to share it with other people. Well, this week, the theme is going to be living generously and the word tower. And ultimately, the question is going to be this. What do you trust? Who do you trust in? And I told Reuben that I'm going to show you a couple things that when I was your age, and that would be over 50-some years ago. Wow, does that time fly? But these are things that I would have gone to if I had, like, had a question and I was trying to figure out an answer. I would go to these things. So I'm going to show you these things on, on the screen. And then I want you to tell me if you think it would be a good idea or a bad idea. You ready? Okay, and if, and if you know these things, just kind of raise your hand or make some kind of noise so that I feel like I'm not the only one in the room. All right, here's the first one. How many of you remember this? Yeah. So you have this really big burning question. And it's like, should I do this or should I do that? And you take it and you kind of shake it a little bit and you put it up and there's a little screen in there and a message comes up and it says, maybe or no, whatever. And if you didn't like the answer, what would you do? Shake it again. Very good. Do you think this would be a good, good, something good for us to use if I need to figure out something? No. All right. Glad you didn't have to deliberate. How about this one? Yeah. Anybody do this? The paper fortune thing. I don't even know what it's all totally called, but you just, you know, you write the letters and the numbers, and then inside it, there's a message under each one. And you, you do it, and you kind of do this moving thing. I, it's been so long. And then you get an answer to your question. Uh, Ruben, do you think, I know you're ready to answer this, but I want to draw this out a little bit more. Do you think this would be a good tool to use if I need to answer a question? No. Okay, very good. Long and drawn out. And here's one. Anybody ever use one of these? And uh, come on, let's talk about it. I probably did it with Kristen. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. And if you don't get to the right one that you want, then you start on another flower and do it again. All right, you just keep doing it. Do you think this would be a good way to get an answer to a question? No. 
No? All right, Ruben, you're doing a great job. This one didn't get up on the screen. I thought about it this morning. My guess you've done this yourself. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe, catch a tiger by a toe. Anybody ever do that? All right. And if you end up on the one that you don't want, what do you do? You keep going and add some more whatever until you get to, oh, yeah, all right, this is good. You think that's a good way to? No. Okay, I won't eat. Oh, smart one, Reuben, what would be a really good way to answer a question in life? Oh, you want me to hold this for you? Hold the mic, get it? So for, first off, I got a mic. What are you doing? Uh, reading a Bible to you. You're going to read the Bible? So what is the Bible? Uh, it's the word of God put into a book. The word of God put into the book. And why did God give us the Bible? So that we, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm asking him new questions. I'm going to throw him off because he's like been spot on the whole time. And the meaning of life in like four words. Forget it. Just, okay. Let's go to Proverbs, all right? You're going you're gonna to take us there because that's where we should go. Yeah. And what do we hear in there? Well, this is Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. Uh, you, how many of you think that would be a better way to find the answers in life and get direction than maybe some of the other things I've seen? Raise your hand so Reuben feels really good. All right, look at all the people are in agreement with you. You can go now. You're really good. <laughs> Thank you. You can take your Bible with you. Okay. Got all these little things in there. Wow. All right, I'm going to give you a couple more. We can laugh about these, um, the first ones. You know, it's kind of cute. But there are some other moments where, that we put our trust in things that we don't even know that we're putting our trust in. Now, this first one, next one, actually. Um, I watched you come in to church today. I did not see a single one of you inspect the chair that you were going to sit in. You know what that means? You are trusting the chair. And unless you've lived in Arizona, where... 100 plus degree temperature and no humidity with plastic chairs, that's not a good combination. They dry out like this and you sit in it and all of a sudden, like this. So after a while, you kind of go like this, you know, okay, this one seems new enough and it'll be okay. Um, but we, we sometimes put our trust in a chair, not even thinking, and we do it and it's, it's cool. How about this one? How many of you came um, to church today in a car? All right. That's kind of the mode of operation, especially with weather like we have. Anybody come here in a Polaris slingshot? I just want to meet you. Just kidding. Um, but this is probably what happened this morning, is you got up, you went out, and either put the key in or pushed the, the fob or whatever you had to do, and it, you just, it started. You just kind of assumed. Now, maybe some of you have a car, like the car I drove this morning, I wasn't sure, you know, I put my key in, and I, but so often we just assume it's going to work. But can brand new cars not work? All right, so that can be, be, here's one for you. And I'm not getting political. How many times do we, all of us, we, we kind of put our trust in politicians and only to be disappointed by human beings who can make mistakes, right? How about this one? 
you know, over the years, you keep hearing, reading, listening um, about pastors who have made major mistakes, have crossed a line. And I can't tell you how many times there will be people in my office that you could just tell the look on their face like, I just don't know if I can trust you. Because some pastors have not been trustworthy. It is true. How about this? Doctors and medical profession, really great, right? But, you know, once in a while something happens. It just is. They're not perfect either. And then, you know, we got, went through this, right? COVID-19, I can't believe it. It's 19 and we're coming on 23 and it seems so long ago and yet not so long ago. And how we tried to navigate through this and we would learn new things along the way. And just when we think we had to figure it out, it would, they learned something new. And it just kind of kept going. How about this? Um, trying to think what year, 2003-ish. We took a call from Saginaw, Michigan, back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. And if you know something around 2003, the um, auto market started to go like this before the rest of the market. And because Saginaw was an auxiliary um, factory location, um, a lot of people were losing their jobs and there were so many homes, we literally had to give our house away. And here we're just thinking, you know what, this is a great investment, it'll be great for the future, and um, it took us many years to recover from that. Here's a picture of a happy couple, all right? In a perfect world, this is the way, oh, look at that. I'm going to get all emotional. I saw a couple over here doing that. And you know who initiated it? The guy. I won't even say his name, Scott, but that's okay. <laughs> How romantic. Um, in a perfect world, everything would be great, but there are moments. There are moments when the person that we love isn't perfect. And when we're honest with ourselves, even we're not perfect. And it just, we're sometimes disappointed. I could go on and on with all the different things that we experience in life that we really wish we could trust in, but we just can't. So I'm going to turn the corner and I'm going to put you in um, connection with an individual who went through a journey himself where all the wheels were coming off the wagon. Really, literally, everything was coming off the wagon, and there was not much left. And the person and the name is Job. Now, there's a couple descriptors about Job found in the Bible. Um, in, in fact, we're saying Job is blameless and upright, a man who feared God and shunned evil. Uh, a remarkable man. Now, we go to the story. I'm just going to give you a really quick high 30,000-foot view. God is now speaking to Satan. Satan is um, kind of egging God on, saying, you know what, no one's really great out there, and it, you know who's going to trust you? And then God says, well, consider my servant Job. He's really good. He's righteous. He's faithful. He's, and his big thing, Satan's big thing was, that's because everything's going great for him. If, if everything started going bad, he would just forsake you. Well, then we have the story, and we watch Job's account. I'm not going to give you everything, but almost everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I mean, financially, um, people that he loved died. Um, relationally, I mean, 
uh, a wife and some friends come with some advice that's not always so good. I mean, just it seemed like everything was going bad. And if there is ever a moment to be able to turn and say, God, I just don't believe you anymore, it really could be this. But this is not the course of direction. So let me read Job 31. Did I set my heart on making big money or worship at the bank? Did I boast about my wealth, show off because I was well off? Was I ever so awed by the sun's brilliance and moved by the moon's beauty that I let myself become seduced by them and worship them on the sly? And then he brings it home. He says, if so, I would deserve the worst of punishments, for I would be betraying God himself. Now remember, this is the individual who coins the phrase that we use in an Easter hymn. So even though he's going through all of these things, all of these bad things, does anybody know the Easter hymn or at least the first line? I, yes? Yeah, that Easter hymn. I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end I will see him face to face. So here's Job. He went through all of this stuff, and we won't get into the why he went through all of it. It was just terrible. But his faith and his trust in the one thing that will never disappoint kept him going. That's what I want us to consider today. While we have been blessed by lots of people, places, and things, there's only one thing that is sure, one thing that is certain, one thing that we can lean on, one thing that is eternal. And the writer to Proverbs touches on this. So let me read verse 11, and then I'm going to back up to verse 10. So Proverbs 11, uh, 18, 11. The rich think their wealth protects them. They imagine themselves safe behind it. And isn't that the world we live in? They would probably say that if you've got money and if you've got possessions, you've got everything. But here's what the writer to the Proverbs says the verse prior. God's name is a place of protection. Good people can run there and be safe. Now, maybe you learned it the way I've learned it over the years. That's uh, more of a modern-day translation. It goes like this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Just have that picture in your mind just for a second, right? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Power. The righteous run to it and are safe. And I'll just say this, the righteous, those of us who have come to know God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who have come to know him to be faithful and loving and kind, powerful, just, right, I mean all the words you can have, when we know that, we will run to it and to him. But there are times, and if you read my Facebook post, sometimes I'll put something up there. I don't give a lot of detail, but, you know, I struggled with something yesterday, and I was wrestling with it. And I know my tower. I know the name of the Lord is a strong tower, but sometimes I stay over here in my own power and might, and I wrestle with something that's, that's silly. I should just run to the tower. I should find my strength in him. Sometimes I just don't. In many ways, I feel like one of the disciples, Right? I'm um, going to share with you a scripture from John 14, but before you hear the words of Jesus in John 14, back it up to John 12 and John 13. John 12, 
Jesus says, I'm not going to be here much longer. John 13, Jesus tells Peter, you're going to deny me. And, I mean, he's getting into this, and he says, some of you are going to leave me. I mean, he's giving all this bad news stuff, so to speak. And the disciples were feeling not so good about stuff. In other words, they were forgetting that there was a strong tower over here that they can go to. They were in the middle of their misery, and their hearts were troubled. So here's what Jesus says in John 14. It's one of my favorite verses to share at a funeral celebration. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And then he says this. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas, who's kind of missed out on some of the moments, if you follow the, the Gospel of John, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then Jesus answers with what I call the exclusivity of the Gospel. In other words, this is it, folks. This is the pinnacle. This is everything. If you're going to listen to one thing and believe in one thing, this is it. This is what Jesus says. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So as the disciples were sorting through life, as they were sorting through what can they trust, because Jesus said he's not going to be there much longer, Jesus reasserts himself and says, hey, believers, disciples, followers, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one could go to the Father except through me. This is how it works, folks. All these other things that the world wants to provide, they're great blessings. Go ahead, that's fine. But I am the way and the truth and the life. I thought about Proverbs 3. It says it differently, but the same concept. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And I just want to make a comment about the first four words. Trust in the Lord. If you ever want to have a little bit of fun, and I think um, probably almost anybody could do this, you can Google Hebrew understanding of Proverbs 3. Just Google that, and you'll start finding some things. And I did that this week. And I bumped into something that really got my attention. Because I was thinking that this concept of trust, trust is kind of something that um, maybe you've experienced it, right? The free, the, you kind of go like this, the, put your hair, and you, maybe you have a blindfold on, and you fall back into somebody's arms that you trust. And sometimes the reason we do that is why? Because we think the person's going to hold us up. Trust is different than that according to the original language and while that may be fitting this is what they actually say trust is to lie helpless face down so if you do a word study and you look at the word trust it means to be in the most vulnerable position that you could ever be in i thought about doing the rest of the sermon lying down face down and preaching but I'm not sure I would be able to get up. My sciatica is actually better, praise the Lord. 
You know, God is good. Um, but I thought about doing that. But just picture what that means. To lie helpless face down in the presence of the Almighty. That's what it's all about. Having no fear, no worry about anything else that's around you, but to know that the God of the universe is powerful enough to make the heavens and the earth yet personal enough to be right there when I'm lying faceless, uh, face down and helpless. Now the other word is really important to understand too because it says trust in the, yeah, the Lord. And if you follow, uh, it's called the etymology of the, the word meaning. It's, the, the word is Yahweh. It means Lord. It also means I am. And most commentators, if you really start reading deep into it, what does the word I am mean? It means this. He brings into existence whatever exists. In other words, everything is in his hands. And then the cliche, maybe it makes sense to you, but he's got this. He's got whatever circumstance you're dealing with. He's got you in his hand. He will never leave you or forsake you. This is just who he is. And he is the kind of tower that is not going to be shaken by this world. I don't know if where you were on 9-11 when you saw two towers tumbling. It was unearthing. It's like if that can happen in New York, it could happen anywhere. And something that is big and mighty like the Twin Towers, it can. So there is only one tower, the name of the Lord, that will last forever. And I'm going to draw the connection with the words I am that we hear in Proverbs chapter 3 and with Jesus himself as he describes who he is. Seven different times he makes reference to the word I am. And then he fills it in. And I just want you to know, if you, if you uh, are old enough to remember the E.F. Hutton, Hutton commercials, you know, when E.F. Hutton speaks, right? And, and it would go in the commercial, it would say, yeah, my uh, broker is E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton said, and then everybody in the room stops with their journey and turns like this. They're listening. So when Jesus used the words, I am, and he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. We heard that already. Any Jewish person ar around was, they were like, tell us. Because that's the name of God. You just don't throw that around. He was really getting at something here. And here's the list. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate of the sheepfold. sheepfold. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, truth, and life. I am the true vine. Jesus is pointing to himself and saying, I am. I am God, and I am with you. Always to the very end of the age. So here's the scoop. My prayer for you and for me is that we learn what trust is all about. Because the object of our trust matters. If you put your trust in temporal things, things that just have, you know, whatever kind of life, you will be disappointed like I am often disappointed. But if we put our trust in the one thing that's eternal, which is God himself, who is a strong tower, people like you and me, we run to it. We're drawn to it. Um, we're going to come. We want to be in that tower. 
all the time so that we can, we can find peace and joy and hope and strength. Let's stand and let me pray. Lord Jesus, give us the faith to understand what it means that you are the great I am. That you are our strong tower. And even, um, it's not if, it's when. When the things of this world disappoint us and fall short of our expectation, we could turn to you to find our strength, our hope, our peace. So work within us, Lord, a faith to trust in you. Yes, to lie down helpless, face down, totally trusting you and no one else. Grant us such a faith, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and inside you all around you and within you he's with you
So t-